welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, again, my name is Micah, if we have not met, and uh, welcome to Easter. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 20. This last week, uh, my wife and I, Laura, we were on the deck uh, having dinner with our children. One of our oldest had gone to gymnastics. Our two youngest, Dahlia and Lyndon, were out there. One of those beautiful nights that we got this last week. And so we're sitting out there and chit-chatting. And I said, guys, guys, it's a big week. It's a big week, you know, for people like me. It's Easter. And uh, they, they're kind of looking at me like, you're weird, Dad. And I said, so it's Easter this week, right? I mean, what do we celebrate at Easter? I don't know. The other one says, no idea. <laughs> Hashtag pastor fail. Uh, one of them says, I don't know, bunnies and eggs? I'm like, okay, okay, that, that's, that's funny. That's a good joke, right? So no, seriously, like, seriously, though, like, what do we celebrate at Easter? Seriously, Dad, I have no idea. So, okay, 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 we'll throw you a bone. We'll give you a little clue, you know. It's something that happened in the Bible. One of them, like, okay, oh, oh, it's when, when God died. No, wait, it's when God was born. No, that's Christmas. And Lyndon looks at me and she goes, I got nothing. How about more clues? <laughs> more clues. So then Laura jumps in and she's like, okay, okay, this is getting awkward. Uh, it's, it's in the Bible and it has something to do with Jesus. And one of them goes, ah, Hanukkah. <laughs> I'm like, you seriously can't make this up. You cannot make it up. So welcome to Awaken, where the pastor's family is uh, not all together, and uh, where we will officially learn what Easter is all about today. So, uh, <laughs> wow, it was just great. So we, we had a little chit-chat about that. We decided to go to a Good Friday service as a family. We thought, you know, let's help them understand <laughs> You know, people like me, we don't get to do that. We didn't have a Good Friday service here this week because we didn't know, you know where we'd be at with this building. So we went, and I sat. We bookended our kids. I, I don't know the last time we did that. So I'm on one end, Laura's on the other, and our pretty little maids all in a row. You know? It's like, oh my gosh. I, I reached over, and I scratched one of their backs, and I thought to myself, I remember when my mom used to do that when I was a little kid. Remember that when you were in church and you'd get a little back rub from mom or dad? So feel free, friends. Back rubs all around. Just, let it, let it go. That's great. That's like youth group. Do you remember in youth group where you'd do the back rub thing? Everybody would stand up and face that way in back rubs. Do you think we should try that? No. I, <laughs> a couple of people are like. <laughs> All right, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Uh, we typically stand when we read the, uh, the word here. So if you would join me as we stand. This is a long one, but um, I think it's worth it. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. John, he's great. He's the writer here. That's who he's, he's great. 
He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my, taken away my, Lord, or taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, for I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receiving the Holy Spirit, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by by believing you may have life in his name. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning and we open ourselves up to this story and these scriptures, I pray that we would know, we would sense, we would, we would feel your presence in a way that's real, and that's honest, that's authentic. God, that you would say the things that we need to hear wherever we've come from this morning. We pray these things in your name and by the power of the Spirit which raised you from the dead. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you ever think about that? I mean, that's actually kind of crazy. You know, if you, if you think of, pretend you're outside of knowledge or you're outside of, of faith and somebody says to you, this group of people gets together and they celebrate the fact that a man rose from the dead. It's actually a bit wild. It's a little hard to believe. And the authors of scripture, uh, these guys, they were brilliant, just brilliant. Some may say even inspired. Uh, th- sometimes they take, did you get that? We used to be in a comedy club, so you guys got the authors of scripture, they, they often, they will take a story of an, a, an old story or an old character and they'll sort of lay it over the top of a new story that they're trying to tell. As if to say like, hey, do you remember this story? Well, let me tell you a new story about something else that's happening. 
They're amazing. For example, Jesus often is talked about as the new Israel. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is baptized by John, and then he's led out into the desert where he's tempted by the adversary. If you remember the story of Israel, of course, they come through the Red Sea, which is known as the baptism of Moses, and they are out in the wand- wandering in the desert for how many years? Forty. Forty years where they're tempted and often fail at the test. Every time Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. And the gospel writers paint Jesus in this light of a new kind of Israel or a new thing that's happening in Israel. Sometimes they talk about him as the new Moses. Deuteronomy 18 says that there will be another prophet like Moses. And so at the end of Luke uh, chapter 4, Jesus sits down, he reads uh, Isaiah 61, and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Then he tells these two bizarre stories about a, a, a guy named Naaman, a Syrian, and a widow from Zarephath. And the people get really, really upset because Jesus essentially says, God, if you want to find God, he's at work outside of in. He's at work outside of Israel. And the Israelite leaders get really upset. They take him out to the edge of a cliff and they want to throw him off the cliff and kill him. It's called the Mount of Precipice. And the gospel writer Luke, he says, and Jesus passed through the crowd. As if to say, do you remember that other story when somebody else passed through the Red Sea? His name was Moses. Well, this is a new kind of Moses. David and Goliath, you remember that story? David goes down to the creek and he picks up how many stones? Five. And if you're a first hearer of this, you think, oh, five. Five is a divine number because it's the number of books in Torah. So David doesn't just go out into the field with a slingshot and some rocks, but he actually goes out into the field with the word of God, the living God. So the authors of scripture do this. They take an old story, an old lens, and then they put it over the top of a new story, a new lens. And this, I want to submit to you this morning, is exactly what John does with the story of resurrection in his gospel. So I want to show just a couple of instances where we see this happening and then draw a couple of conclusions. Are you with me? Okay. I was working on a sermon for two weeks on e- for Easter, and on Thursday I threw it out. I was like, this is just, I don't believe this. It's not that good. So I started over, and this is what we've come up with. So here we go. John. John's gospel begins in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can look there. It says, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things were made through this Jesus, and he was a great light that shone in the darkness. Does this ring any bells for anybody? In the beginning, you know that terrible joke your grandpa used to say about baseball in the Bible? In the big inning. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 opens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John's gospel begins right out of the gate where he says, in the beginning the word was with God, which is an absolute nod. Do you remember this story? Let me tell you a new story about a new beginning. If this was a story about the beginning in Genesis, then here's a story about a new beginning. John chapter 1. If you skip forward to the verses that we read today, John 20, you find the, right out of the gate in, in, verse, in chapter 20, John says, very early on the first day, there was this tumultuous situation in which someone didn't know where things were. They're looking for Jesus. They couldn't find him. It's dark. It's early on the first day. In a very chaotic situation where Jesus should have been but wasn't, we find God hovering over the darkness of a garden. In the Hebrew scriptures in Genesis, there's a word called tohu vavohu. And it means, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void which is to say that it was chaotic and tumultuous, and here we find the Spirit of God hovering 
over the darkness of the waters. Do you remember this story about the beginning? Well, here's a new story about a new beginning where we find God hovering over the darkness of a scary and tumultuous situation in John 20. If you keep going in John's gospel, you find in verse 14, I love this part. I mean, just brilliant. Mary doesn't recognize him, and she thinks he's who? The gardener! The gardener's like, oh my gosh, hey, bing, 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 do you remember the gardener? So Mary doesn't recognize who Jesus is, and it's only when Jesus says her name that her eyes are opened and she sees who, and she remembers who he is. So God comes to Mary with a question. Woman, why are you crying? Does anyone remember what God does when Adam and Eve eat the the apple? So here we have God. We have a man and a woman and God in a garden with a question. I mean, come on, people. It's all there. Do you remember this, this story about the beginning? Well, here's a story about a new beginning. Last one, John 20. Uh, Verse 21, it says that Jesus, when he breathed on them, they received the Spirit. I mean, come on, come on, come on. Genesis chapter 2, Adam formed out of the dust, and God, what? Breathes the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, and he becomes a living nefesh, a living being. So John, I submit to you, is just ringing bells all over the place, saying, this is a story about a new beginning. What happens when God gets involved and does new things in the world in and through this Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ? Oh, snaps. It's getting good in her. I wonder if there's anybody here who needs a new beginning. I mean, Easter brings everybody out, right? Preachers like me, people, they, we get excited about Easter because everybody's here. And then somebody says, well, don't screw it up. Everybody will be there. <laughs> Thanks, needed that. <laughs> I wonder if there isn't anybody here who needs a new beginning today. Maybe you just lost your job. And, you, and the worst part was you never saw it coming. Maybe somebody got sick and died and they, would, they shouldn't have. They were way too young for that. Maybe they're in the hospital right now and you desperately need God to do something. Maybe, maybe your struggle is with addiction and there's just something that you cannot say no to. Maybe you've given up on God and religion and Jesus, but here you are. C&E, right? Christmas and Easter. Here you are. Whatever the reason, friends, good news Resurrection and Easter is as if it's true, it changes everything. Because it says that God is a God who is a creator, who is about new beginnings for you everywhere, for everyone, for anyone who is listening. So what do we learn about new beginnings from John's story? At least we learn that they begin in darkness and unknown. I remember when I was a 22-year-old, I'd just gotten married, I'd just graduated from college, and I just started my new job, all in a month. <clears throat> I recommend that to anybody. <laughs> it took me 18 months to just get cooked by the church. I, I, 
I got hired at this huge, massive church to be the junior high youth pastor, which is code word for he doesn't know anything about anything. So let's put him with the junior hires. <laughs> so it took me 18 months to realize that I have to be with people. I thrive on people. It actually it gives me energy. And it took me 18 months to just shrivel up and die. And I remember vividly uh, kneeling with my head in my hands over the foot of my bed in this tiny little one-bedroom apartment in Denver, Colorado, weeping and crying and pouring out my heart, thinking, it's over. I don't know where to go. I just married this woman. I told her dad I would take care of her, and I'm going to quit my job. And I cried out to the Lord. And it's in these places, often we think, where is God? God has left the building. It's like God is nowhere to be found because that's what it feels like, totally alone. But the story of God in the Bible and the story of Jesus and resurrection says, actually, new beginnings, they often begin in the darkness and in the unknown where you're uncertain and it feels like hope is gone. And it's here, exactly in those moments, in that story where we find God hovering above the waters of our life. So friends, maybe you're here today and that's where you're at. Maybe that's exactly how you feel. And I would just say to you, hang on, because reminds us, resurrection reminds us that things are actually just getting started. I think we, we learned that this is where new beginnings begin in the dark often. They're often connected to our true name. I just love the fact in this story that Mary doesn't recognize Jesus till she hears her name. I was a, a sophomore in high school And I went on this mission trip, which was code word for an evangelism training trip, where they literally, like, we went to these seminars in the morning, and they trained us about, like, how to share the gospel, how to tell people about Jesus. And then we hit the streets, according to the itinerary. I I died a million deaths that week, you guys. I swear to you, I thought it was all going to, I prayed for rain every day. I'm not kidding you. Like, I do not want to go out there and hit the streets for Jesus, okay? It's the last thing I want to do. I'd rather make out with that girl in, you know, the back of the van, but (laughs) either way. So we're in Chicago, and we're out hitting the streets. It's like middle of of lunchtime. Everybody in Chicago had to have been in this little veranda. It's just packed with people, and I'm sitting next to my youth pastor, Phil, and we're talking to this guy, you know, hitting the streets, and he's talking, he's in... He says, so would you like to hear a little bit more about about Jesus? And this guy, surprisingly, says yes. I thought, who would want to hear more about Jesus? He says yes. And Phil, my youth pastor, looks to me and says, Micah, why don't you tell him about Jesus? And I absolutely froze. And tears just started coming down my face. Because in a moment... I heard something that was true about myself and I just couldn't stand it. The word that I heard was hypocrite. Sometimes we hear something that's true about us and we want to run. But new beginnings have a shot when we have the courage to stand and stay there in the presence of God and hear God's voice, even if it's hard to hear I remember two falls ago, I was in Israel, and I'm sitting on the temple steps, like where the rabbis would have gone up into the temple. Like, Jesus would have walked on these steps, friends. This was really authentic. 
That's what they say in Israel, like this is an authentic spot, real, right here. So there I am, I'm sitting on the steps of the temple, and I am just desperately wanting God to speak to me, to, to affirm me, to say uh, I, was, I wanted a blessing from the Lord, I wanted to hear my name, and I'm sitting on these steps, and what I hear is teacher, which is a long journey for me about learning how to stand in who I am and what God has given me to do in the world. And so this rabbi comes over, unbeknownst to you, he doesn't know what's happening. I'm, I just desperately want somebody to see that in me and to say, I believe in you and I affirm you. Rabbi Allen comes and sits next to me, puts his arm around me, and he whispers in my ear, I believe in you. And I heard the word of the Lord that day. This is your name. Friends, new beginnings come when our true names are called out. When we actually, when we recognize who we actually are on the inside, when we allow masks to come off and we see ourselves for who we are and we let others see ourselves for who we are. Maybe you're here today and you're, there's a story that you're telling yourself about yourself and it's not actually true. And maybe there's a story that you're telling your, your friends about yourself that's not actually true. New beginnings have a, have a possibility, they have a shot when we hear our true names and we stand in them. Sometimes we're invited to leave something and step into something else. Sometimes we're invited to, something is affirmed in us that we're invited to receive. But I would say to you this morning, if that's you, good news, you're in a good spot. New beginnings are possible when we let go of the past. In verse 17, Mary, this is a bizarre passage, a really bizarre passage. Mary hears her name, and she, she recognizes who it is, and she reaches out, and she grabs Jesus to hug him, and he says, woman, let go of me, or don't hold on to me. Now, there's all kinds of speculation as to what's going on in this passage and what's being said here, and I just want to offer maybe for this morning this possibility, that when Mary reaches out, she reaches out for what she knew, all the experiences that she had with this Jesus, all the things that she remembers about him, all the great moments that they had. You remember back in high school when we did that thing? It's one of those kind of grabs, and she goes to reach for it, and Jesus says, actually, Mary, I don't want you to hold on to that. I want to invite you into something brand new. And it may have something to do with some of these things, but it's actually headed in a totally new direction. And it may seem really, really simple and cliche, but I would say this. You cannot receive what God has for you if you won't let go of the past. So maybe you're here this morning and maybe it's a word that you spoke to somebody that you just regret and you cannot let go of. Maybe it's something that you did that you think defines you. Maybe it was somebody you you should have defended that you didn't defend. You cannot receive the future and what God has for you if you will not let go of what's in the past. You see, friends, the resurrection of Jesus, as John tells this story, is a reminder. Do you remember this story about the beginning? Well, here's a story about new beginnings, that God, the one that we read about in this passage, is a God who's a creator who is always and ever inviting people into new beginnings because this is who God is and this is what God does. And so maybe you're here today and you think, you don't know which way is forward, which way is up, it's dark. Hold tight because resurrection says you're in a really good spot. Now, friends, we talk about things a lot at church. There's ideas that we 
sort of have people talk about. And sometimes I think it's nice to actually hear something about some, the way that this makes sense in people's lives. So I'm going to invite Andy and Crystal Lehner, and they're going to come and just share briefly. If resurrection is about new beginnings, then get a load of this one. Andy and Crystal. <laughs> Make it good. Don't let him down. He, he built it up. Oh. Hi. Um, I'm Crystal. We have been living in a really interesting story for the last two months. Um, sometimes there's moments in our lives where God feels really far, and there's other times that he feels really close. And this has been a season of incredibly close. Um, we've had a dream for a long time of someday, like when we're maybe in our 50s or 60s, of buying a house for a family that could use a place to live and fixing it up for them and having an affordable place for them to live. So that was just a long time ago. We thought that would be a good thing to do. Um, The church that we used to go to had someone who was connected with a refugee camp. And we would get updates from this refugee camp in Malawi, and we would pray for the pastors there. We'd pray for Pastor Joshua. And one day, after being there for many years, his number came up. And of all places in the world, he was sent to Minnesota. And they landed in St. Paul. We live in St. Paul. Um, Tim and Susan Kephart, who go here, they were very connected with this, uh, with Joshua and his family, the Cabezi family, and they've become very good friends, and it's been such a blessing um, for the Kepharts to get to know them, um, and we are good friends with the Kepharts, so we also were connected to the Cabezi family. They've been here for a year and a half. In the winter, this winter, Susan Kephart was just telling us, you know, pray for us a new place for the Cabezis. Their, their place is too small. It's not in the best area. we just love to find a better place for them to rent. So Andy and I and Tim and Susan were looking for places for the Cabezis to rent. And rent's very high right now. So we were just struggling to find a good spot. In January, a college friend of ours came to us and said he was kind of frustrated. He was trying to get rid of his house that he bought at the height of the market. It was for sale. Um, He's like, do you want to buy my house? And Andy thought, yeah, I think we do. (laughs) Um, So we were all geared up to buy that house, and he got a really good offer right before we were going to make an offer. And we said, just go with it. It's it's okay. So we're looking, we're looking. I'm praying for a four-bedroom house um, that's within walking distance of a bus stop so Joshua can get to work that's close to a park or a library so that Esther can have somewhere to take their children during the day. Um, We're praying that it's close to our house and the Kepharts so that we can get over there easily and that it's also in our price range so that we can have affordable rent and we can't find anything. And then Andy gets a call at his law office one day from a woman um, who says, I have, a, I have a problem with a house. Can you help me? He goes, okay. And she said, but first I need to know, do you believe in God? Which is not a normal question <laughs> to ask your attorney. And he goes, yes, I do. And she goes, okay, because my story is really weird if you don't believe in God. And she says, <laughs> she says, I had a stroke two years ago. I was pronounced dead on the table. I met God. And I wanted to stay in heaven, and God sent me back. And I didn't. He said there was more work for me to do. 
and I have a house that's going to be foreclosed on in three weeks, and I'd like to sell it before it goes into foreclosure and maybe make a little money on it, and I don't want to sell it to any of these people who are knocking on my door, these house flippers trying to get it. So Andy goes through the options, and he goes, well, <laughs> since we've established that we both believe in God, um, we are praying for a house, and, and we would, we'd like to rent it out to this family. And she's all excited, like, see, see how God can work. Um, we meet with her. It's a four-bedroom house. Um, it's across the street from a park. It's two blocks from a bus stop. It's four miles from our house. And it's 2.5 miles from the Keparts. And it's in our price range. And it's on a cul-de-sac. And it's in a safe area. So we have, at this point, what, nine days to close before it goes into foreclosure? And I won't tell all of that, but it was, I mean, every day was like, is it going to happen? I don't know. And we, 12 hours before it went into foreclosure, we signed the paperwork. Um, the woman who sold us the house, she, her last prayer for that house was that it would be a blessing to someone. Um, when we bought it, it was condemned. It still is condemned. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a dead house. It, it was full of trash and dog hair and other things. And we've just seen God so close in all of this. Ten minutes after we closed, Kirk Livesay, who goes here, was um, at, in the driveway with uh, an almost new refrigerator for us to put in the house. We've had children, the Huber kids, raking up the yard. Um, we've had Sharon Durthak's mom in her 80s cleaning out the microwave. And you, Sadie, yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's been just a really beautiful thing, and we've had the Cabezi family over helping and picking out colors and, um, getting to start some of their own dreams for what that space will be used for, and it's been a beautiful thing. That'll happen on a Friday afternoon, and Crystal made it sound like I was very gracious with the woman who called, and I was a little antsy to get on with my weekend until we started the talk, so just a little more reality to that story. Anyway, here, here we are, and just, um, I guess um, Mike asked us to share a few words just to highlight new beginnings, and there are some obvious new beginnings here. Um, you know, um, Joshua and Esther, we hope very soon, uh, within, I don't know, a couple of months or less, we'll have a new home, and that's a new beginning. They're here today, by the way, um, and that's kind of obvious. There's also a house that was, as far as houses go, pretty dead. And it still doesn't have its certificate of occupancy, but we're working on that. There's, there's, there's a new beginning there. And then there are some slightly less obvious but very powerful new beginnings as well, including that of the, the woman from which we bought the home. Uh, she's a single mom and was there 25 years raising her children, who in their young adult years became estranged. Um, not just absent, but I think sort of, you know, it, it, it was a bad relationship. And uh, the day that we went to look at this property for the first time, um, her son showed up and they went and had coffee. And there's a new beginning there. And I don't know how that story will end. And for me, there are, there are new beginnings that are less obvious as well. And that story is also still being written. But I tend to, you know, to a fault sometimes, dismiss things where God's working and not, you know, I under-spiritualize them. I, I don't allow to say, wow, look what God's doing. But there's no denying his hand here. And so there's some new beginnings there too.
So thanks for hearing our story. It's a wild ride. We're going to wrap things up here. Uh, and I was uh, at a theater on Friday night at a CD release party for this young lady back here named Kara. And I heard this song that she's about to play. And I was, I'm standing in a bar. I'm 38. I've got a beer in one hand, and tears are just streaming down my face. And I thought to myself, that's why Easter matters. And that's why resurrection matters. Because every single one of us have asked this question that she sings about in this song. And so I just, I walked up to her after. I said, I don't, you don't know this, but you're playing on Easter at Awaken. Uh, so Kara's uh, going to offer this, and then we'll, we'll sing one more song, and uh, we'll close. So, Kara. Sometimes at Easter you get fanfare and pap in a, a rally and send out into the world, Jesus is alive. And I just know how hard life is sometimes, and it feels inauthentic to me at times, but I will say this. Resurrection says yes. I have come. And I will keep coming to any who ask. And so wherever you are today, the question isn't will God come? It's will you? And so at Awaken, we invite you to journey with us and to live this out as a reality. I'm going to invite you to stand. We'll sing one song as we close. Because death has been put in its grave. Amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.